0: League Podcast Network presents Prospect 1. The Fantasy Prospect Podcast. Prospect 1 with your host Chris Welsh.
1: This is the fantasy baseball prospect podcast. It's Prospect 1. I'm your host Chris Welsh who you can find on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh, same on the Instagram and of course over at inthisleague.com that is the Patreon where the top 500 prospect list lives, top 400 dynasty first-year player, P180Ps, and a bunch more, and a partridge in a pear tree as well. Uh, Group me rooms we've got. We've got the Prospect One group me rooms. We do card collecting. We've got other sports. We've got other lifestyle stuff. Whatever it is, we have tried to create a whole bunch of fun stuff on the Patreon, knowing that when you guys sign up, you're also supporting us, because we don't want to feel guilty about you guys supporting us. Some are there for the stuff. Some are there for the support. And there's just plenty of you that kind of want to do a little bit of all of it. And we appreciate all of you that do so. So come and check out our Patreon. Little as five bucks, you can get access to all the ranks that I do in the updates. And if you want to go a little bit further, you can get in the group me rooms. Inthisleague.com will take you to the Patreon. Just go to inthisleague.com. Today on the episode, it is Prospect Bold Predictions Part Two. Today on the episode, we have Jeff Ponce from Baseball America, Shelly Verstray from Rotowire, or NBC, or NBC Edge, or whatever they're calling themselves now, and a bunch of other places as well. And we've got an In This League exclusive with Nate Handy from the B-Side Prospects Podcast, which you guys can, uh, Prospects B-Side, which you guys can check out here on the ITL Podcast Network. And Nate is just doing that stuff all around. We have got all three of these fine folks giving you two-hitter and two-pitcher breakout prospects. So yes, we are going to finish out with like, what is math? What is math? 4, 8, 12, 24 prospects from these folks, and then I am giving you two more today as well. So 28. There you go. Basic math. Analytics, right? Um, that's going to get us there. It's a bunch of bold predictions on prospects, and I think this is a great way to take us into the season, and I am hoping to do some fun stuff even into next week. I just got to set it up. But that is who we've got on the episode today, and I'm very excited for you guys to hear all of these breakdowns. And frankly, I really should probably... One thing we're going to be doing, we're going to get back into, and which I'm pretty stoked about, is we're going to get back into our live streams that we were doing on our Twitch. So if you want to preemptively go and check uh, check me out over at twitch.tv slash inthisleague, I'm going to have a prospect-based one once a week. That is the hope. I'd love to go in and find out, like, who like did you guys like? Who was your favorite bold prediction? And of course... Get some of your guys' bold predictions. That's always been a fun thing. Our boy Barry Baker and the Me rooms has always kind of managed that. I need to get Barry to, you know, get us back in check, and uh, maybe we'll do some of that here in the coming episodes. But lots and lots of bold predictions as the season's about to start. Minor league camps are getting set up and kind of altered. There's a whole bunch of prospects that have uh, been sent down from major league camp, which I really didn't expect. Uh, I really thought Christian encarnacion Strand had a legit shot to make the roster, And they like immediately sent him down once minor league games started up. Brandon Fott was the other one that, that one hurt. That one hurt my soul because I was very, very certain that Brandon Fott was going to be a guy that was going to break camp. Because I'd been over at Diamondbacks camp a, a couple times over the last week or so. And I had noticed just some interesting trends, which also shows you like, you don't know anything, even when you see uniquely cool stuff, where you saw Brandon Fott go out, and pitch. He piggybacked on Madison Bumgarner and was phenomenal. I think he had like seven strikeouts. All he did was pitch incredible the whole um, spring training. You had saw Ryan Nelson and Dre Jamison just kind of struggle. Well, I saw Dre Jamison working exclusively with the relievers the other day, and I really thought that kind of stood out to me. I mean, we're talking all, it was only relievers on a side field, Andrew Chafin and um, Joe Manteply and Kevin Ginkle and all those guys, only them. And Dre Jamison was over there. And I had seen Brandon Fott that same day working with the starters and Zach Gallen, And Ryan Nelson's numbers had just been so bad that I figured, like, you know, Nelson bad. Maybe they're grooming Jameson to be a little bit more in the bullpen. Diamondbacks are going to go for it with Fott. And then about two days ago, they sent him down, which was unfortunate to camp. I will say I don't think this is going to be for long. I really think by May 1st, he's back up especially if whoever they give the gig to, I'm assuming at this point it's going to be Ryan Nelson and maybe Dre Jameson's going to make the team, but out of the bullpen is my thought. Maybe like as like a long reliever, you know, a not a crazy high leverage situation yet or anything like that. Also, they've got technically an extra spot open with Mark Melanson being hurt. So that would give them a little bit more wiggle room that, you know, if one of those guys struggles, I really do think Brendan Fott's going to be back up, especially if he's just, back at A and dominating, you know, in the PCL. That's another thing. You might find some early struggles. You know, he has home run problems, but, you know, the number one strikeout pitcher in the minor leagues who just dominated in spring training against major leaguers, he goes out in the PCL, has a couple good starts. He's going to be back up. He's definitely going to be back up. A lot of other weird spring ones, um, not necessarily, He did. he's not in qualification anymore, but the Von Grissom stuff with the Braves is like wild. And, and it really tells you, how important the defensive side of this was for him. Because it doesn't, it's not, I don't think there's manipulation. I always forget because there's like multiple points, which is really stupid about baseball, by the way, when we can't quite understand like super two. And then there's like the, the extra year, you know, there's a control. Like, I don't know if there's one that he qualifies in. So I don't think it's necessarily manipulation, but what it looks like is this shortstop experiment ain't working for them because they sent him and Braden Shoemaker down and maybe they'll like readjust a move or something like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if Grissom is working um, in another position when he's down in the minors. Like maybe they, I say all that maybe they want to keep pushing the shortstop stuff, but I don't know with all the off season work he did, like what are you going to get out of going to like triple a instead of working it out at the major. So it doesn't really make sense to me. It's just very, Very weird. Very weird overall. Um, But you've also got a ton of minor leaguers not participating in spring training now. I was actually at the Rangers and Guardians game uh, just for a little bit. I I couldn't stay for long, but I stayed for about uh, 45 minutes at the beginning of the game. And I was kind of expecting like a slew of, I'll admit I had not paid attention to like what, um, who had been sent down and whatnot for the Guardians. But in my brain, I was like, oh, you know, let's maybe we'll see Rocchio and Valera and already sent out. You know, they're not available in that game. There was really, I gotta be honest with you, I don't really remember anybody uh, as far as a prospect goes that they had brought out there. So you've got all these guys going over to camps. Jordan Lawler's done the same thing. So a couple of the camps, it's been a little bit more difficult hitting some of these games. I was over for the Angels and Diamondbacks, saw Zach Netto. And Neto was with the AAA team. So some of the qualifications might be really interesting to you guys. Jordan Lawler and Zach Neto played against each other. Both were on the AAA squads. So that is what I'm going to assume is probably where they're going to be sent out. Uh, you also had Dominic Canzone. On the same field, Ivan Melendez, the Hispanic Titanic, if you remember at a UT, with the Diamondbacks, was with the A team. So that looks like that's probably where he's going to push. And he is big like he's not tall tall big uh, nah, eh, kind of I mean he's a big dude but like he is just wide muscle human being just like one of those guys like you know if he were unsuccessful in this career he would be just like a total bouncer like that type of look which by the way he probably do much better um, <laughs> if he didn't succeed in baseball than a bouncer but that's like the physicality of what he looks like uh, another interesting one with the Rangers is has been Sebastian Walcott, and I was tempted to bring him up in this episode of Bold Predictions, but I, I just strayed away from it, but you know, he is only one of two international guys. We, I've made a whole bunch of stink, as is a lot of people about Ethan Salas, but what is quietly going under the radar is Sebastian Walcott is also out here. And I believe he's also 16 years old, if I'm remembering correctly, and hopefully not misremembering. I want to say he's about the same solace age. Let me look. I think he just hit 17, or is just about to hit 17. But as far as I know, he's the only other international guy that's out here. And results so far, pretty good. You know, pretty good. He definitely has to add more weight to his frame. But really quick hands. Um... A little bit overmatched on. I mean, we're going to be overmatched on any higher level stuff. But he's turned on a couple balls and he's been doing a lot of workout stuff. I haven't seen him in any game action, but you know that low A is filled up by the uh, Glider Figueroas, Daniel Cuevas, Anthony Rodriguez's and or Anthony Gutierrez and uh, Jason Moribel. All of those guys are out here playing in like the low A teams, and it's really fascinating to see. And Sebastian Walcott's another one of those guys. Just keep him back in your mind. You know. I'm not trying to push the huge resurgence of the J-15 class or anything like that. Like, it's totally back. But, I mean, early indications I'm pretty positive about right now. Ethan Salas has been a huge win. I'm hoping to go and catch him in an actual um, uh, minor league spring training game this week, assuming he's playing in Double A. And same thing for Sebastian Walcott. I want to see him as well and try to kind of add him to that group of some of these guys that have really been uh, eye-popping. I'm going to talk about another guy here. I'm not going to mention it here, but um, I'm going to talk about a player that I also saw in some of these camps. And it's getting really interesting because we are only a week away, I think, just about a week until everything starts up. The minor league spring training ends for AAA starting next Monday because they're going to be traveling out to start the low A's and I think it's like a low and high A and maybe even double A kind of play through the next week as well. And then they start up their minor league season. So you've only got about a week or so left of spring training. That's really going on and all of these guys getting set. And there's some really interesting opportunities that are going to be out there. And I am ecstatic to get to the minor league season and get going. And that's kind of what I'm getting prepped for getting prepped, hopefully for a P 180 P180P that we can do maybe starting next week to write into the lead into the season. So we've got that kind of uh, marker as well. I'm excited to kind of yap with you guys and probably on like the opening day of minor league baseball, maybe triple a, or maybe like the full season, I'll probably do like a stream on the Twitch and start doing a little bit more there, talk to you guys and do some mailbags as well. So we'll do all that stuff. So at the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you who my last two breakout, uh, bold prediction prospects are. So make sure you tune in for that. But let's get into the episode right after I tell you about our great sponsor of the podcast, Fantrax. The Fantrax team is stoked to announce the Fantrax game day experience giveaway. And what Fantrax is doing is they're sending one lucky fantasy baseball league, not person, league, to any regular season MLB game of their choice. Plus, they're going to be giving you guys $1,000 towards travel and accommodation. And here's how you enter go to fantrax.com slash in this league and either create a new league join an active league or bring over your existing leagues from another platform for free so fantrax.com in this league create join or bring over for free existing fantrax leagues are also automatically included in the giveaway the more leagues you create and join the more chances you've got to win so if you've got one active league that's one entry if you've got 12 active leagues, That's 12 entries, and they can be you creating new ones, joining active ones, or moving over. There's no purchase necessary outside of having leagues. So again, go to Fantrax.com slash in this league for your chance to win. Jeff Ponce, Shelly Verstrate, and Nate Handy. Those are big, bold predictors for this episode. I think you guys are going to dig it. Uh, We are going to go from Jeff to Shelly to Nate. No in-betweens because we don't need them. We're just going to rock from all three of them. These interviews were done over a little bit of time. And I want to let everybody know, probably about Wednesday, if you check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash in this league, I'm going to post the individual videos of all of these uh, bold predictions. So there's going to be six videos, you know, because we had the one with James, we had the one, well, I guess it's going to be five videos because Clegg and Cross were together. So um, we're gonna have five videos up on the YouTube channel and you can, you know, rewatch it. You can see the guys, whatever you want. You can check it out, but it also be on our YouTube channel in individual interview form. So it's time for some bold predictions. Jeff Pons from Baseball America, Shelly from NBC, and Nate from the Prospects B-side. It's all going down
0: right after this
3: I like you so much, I'm going to
0: make you my partner. All you have to do is find the gold and I'll share it with you. 50-50. Prospect One.
1: Captain Baseball America. It is Jeff (laughs) Pond. He is on the hot seat for some bold prediction. What's up, Captain Baseball America? That's my new nickname for you. I literally thought of it too
2: I love that. That's hilarious.
3: Yeah. What's up, buddy? How are <laughs> you do
2: doing? Captain, but okay. Yeah, I'll take oh, it. Captain
1: America. That was right. Captain America, Captain Baseball. Yeah, yeah. hey. Was,
2: there we Chris go. Evans is from Massachusetts. I'm here in Massachusetts doing this for you. So there's, you know, th- it's symbiotic, right? There's, this yeah, symbiotic. that's all we're looking for. That's that all we're looking for,
1: man. Uh, Jeff, you have been a part of this for many years. I think the very first, however long I've been doing this ball prediction yeah. show. It's always fun. This is the first year I think I'm doing two parts to it. I'm very, very much looking forward to uh, hearing what you have to say. You've always got really, really great breakdowns. Back to you know, it's so funny. However long ago it was, I remember you and I talking about. Um, oh, I it just went out in my head. What was it, Bryce? I want to say Bryce Miller, but who was it with the um, the Braves, Bryce? Oh man, Cause I just saw him. I just saw him, Bryce. Something with the he's with the Brewers now. Come on, former Braves pitching prospect.
2: I'm like totally giving a blank. Bryce. You said Bryce. I'm like, I'm thinking Bryce (sighs) Tarang.
1: It's gone now. Braves pitching prospect. I'm going to have to have like top. Uh, You know what? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to get it for you. We we cannot move on. Braves 40. Okay. (laughs) We're going to go to the Braves roster right now. I literally saw him. If you know anything about me, you know, I will not be able to move on from this show if I don't get his name right now. And (laughs) where is he? Oh, my god he was just i mean it must be on the 40-man roster because this is a guy that we talked about oh, if he's not here i'm gonna lose it oh bryce bryce, bryce, bryce wilson. Wilson. wilson bryce i was like wasn't
2: he in the pirates like, yeah yeah wow yep. yeah
1: sorry nobody cared about that but bryce wilson was like <laughs> something we talked about so Whoa. long ago but that's in the vein of where you know i've joked about this that you know when we talk about some of the pop-ups this is actually a hit that you had i know it's not doesn't look it doesn't work now because we've like the brewers and yeah. stuff, but this was like an absolute no name guy who had a big pop-up season the year you talked about him, but in this, you know, the designation of the big pop-ups and the kind of bold breakout guys, there are huge hits. Uh, there's misses like my Luis Medina, but it's, it's fun to put them all together. And I know you've got some good names for us here today that mm-hmm. aren't going to be Bryce Wilson. So yeah. I'm going to give you the decision of hitting or pitching, whichever one you want to start with first, we're going to get two of them. So which one do you want to start with?
2: Let's start with uh, let's start with let's start with hitting, actually.
1: Okay, God, th- this is what Shelley did. Shelley did the same thing. She's like she wanted to say best for last, and she did hitting first. So let's do it. Uh, bold prediction: Hitter number one for the 2023 season, Jeff. What do you got?
2: Sure. At the end of the season, the Padres' Jackson Merrill will be the number one prospect in baseball. <sighs> He's got some stiff competition, even amongst Jacksons. If we think
1: I, yeah, I was about to say, is he the best Jackson of all of them? Because there's a I know, one, right? there's a big one on the Brewers again.
2: Yeah, Churio for sure. Um, you know, and of course, like Jackson Holiday, another one that I, I think probably you could make a similar bold prediction about. If someone said Churio was going to be the number one prospect in baseball, it wouldn't be that bold. He's yeah. almost he's pretty close, you know. It yeah, dude, out, dude graduations. He yeah,
3: he, he could get their due
1: graduations. Of-
2: yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, there could be a chance that it happens with, with Churio. But, I, I mean, I don't think so. They have so much outfield depth I would think the Brewers can probably hold off for another wow. year. But,
1: you know what? By the way, Jay first names own the top 25 because I was right. going to say, is there any other bigger top 50 prospect name than Jackson? There's Jordan. There's Jordan Lawler yeah. and Jordan Walker who are both top five. So, the Jays run it. What about Jackson Merrill gets you there? Because I buy it. I think I think mm. Jackson Merrill makes... Uh, like veteran decisions already and the way he approaches at bats, the way he can hit opposite field, the way that he will sell out for contact. It's a little bit in question about his power and he even joked around about it during the AFL. He had this one homer that I got on and he was really excited about it because he actually got to it because I think he's very hyper-focused on making contact, but he's a good defender. He can run. He's making those veteran moves, but you know, to take the next level, the power's got to come. So do you believe that power is going to develop?
2: Yeah, I think if you watch any of his batting practices, I got to see a few while I was out there in Arizona back in November. Um this guy is just it's funny because set a high school home run record for his, for his high school back in Maryland. Um you know, was a guy that's a, a, a northeast cold weather prospect. Didn't play a ton on the on the showcase circuit and we saw like you'd said, like you had alluded to, how strong the swing decisions were um just, you know, how how Kind of mature he is as a hitter. Um, I think physically the power will come. It's a great left-handed swing. Uh, And he hasn't had like a ton of game experience yet. And, you know, we saw him perform and look really good against older competition in the AFL. We don't always want to buy, you know, AFL breakouts for a bunch of different reasons. We talk about the pitching and some of that. But sometimes these guys are older too. I mean, they're facing competition that's maybe younger than them, has less experience than them it could be a guy that's already had like a, a high level of like high minors experience. So I think with Merrill, we're talking about a guy who's only played what, like 50 games off the prospect off the complex. Really? Um, I think he was also it? the
1: youngest in the AFL. I, I could be yeah. wrong. He might've been number two, but he was like either the youngest or second youngest player in the He's entire world. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, so I, I think this is a guy where they're, you know, the sky's sort of the limit. Um, the Padres typically have done a pretty good job of, Maybe the system depth isn't very good. They always have some guys who seem to get better every year at the top of their system. You know, we've heard some of the rumors that, you know, Merrill was like a no trade. Like he was not allowed to be traded last year when they were going no. for Juan Soto. I think that says a lot considering they traded James Wood, who another J name. Um, oh my you know, God, there
1: are so many J names. Year. There's like like <laughs> there's like seven or eight in the top 25.
2: Uh. I need my, my youngest son, Nolan. I, I guess he's got no chance of being a top. Prospect oh, I'm
1: going to, I'm going to tell my, my son's name is Parker. I'm going to have him have to, we're gonna have to change it really quick because he has it's no shot. Jar- There's no J
2: you're jarker now. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry,
1: um, jarker. Yeah. Sorry, jarker and Jolan. Sorry guys.
2: Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, when we, we put all that together, um, and, and, you know, he hits the ball fairly hard. Uh, it's just a matter of like, you know, sort of timing some of those things that's easy to fix. And it's one of those things that I think with more experience, maturity, et cetera, he'll get to it. He's an underrated defender, too. He's not one of these guys that's, like, super twitchy. He's not Ezekiel Tovar out there. But I think, like, you know, a Xander Bogart's kind of shortstop where he makes the plays he gets to. The arm is good. He's got a good internal clock. All that stuff will sort of balance off. And the fact that he's a shortstop and not a center fielder or, you know, a corner outfielder or, you know, a guy that's probably going to move to second base. He's a shortstop or a third baseman, you know, typically like when we're ranking prospects and the defensive side of things sort of goes into it, that matters. I think he's going to hit enough and it's an attractive fantasy profile that, you know, I think he'll be a guy where there's, um, you know, uh, some sort of agreement between the two sides of the house there.
1: Yeah. And having that defensive ability, he's going to have to move, you know, and that's the problem. That's like the one problem we have with him. It's like he's just but he's such a good defender wherever he moves, if it's third or if it was second, like he can do it because he's a great defender. It's not out of necessity. It's more out of need because he can't play that spot because of Xander Bogarts, unless the team could convince Bogarts to move to third and they keep Tatis out there. That's always a possibility. All right. Number two. Number two on your breakout no, hitters.
2: Number two is is more of a, a a breakout name that's not so much a household name. I've been beating the drum on this guy a lot over the last year. He's kind of my my junior Caminero, uh, Adele Amador. My breakouts from the complex is really good last year. Pretty post good. Hostway to Apollo from the Dodgers. Um, everything that I've heard about this guy. I have a friend, Matt Pajack, who does athletic testing for a variety of teams. Just did a podcast with him a couple of weeks ago, and he calls him Baby Yordan. Um, the Dodgers have a similar nickname for him. I mean, this guy is powerful, incredible swing decisions, really good contact. Um, he's a bigger guy, but not more bigger, like height wise. Um, he's actually Stefan Marbury and Sebastian Telfair's cousin.
1: It's so Um, trippy that he is because I I don't want to add in here. Like I just saw him three days ago and, uh, and he kind of knows me now because I'm only one of the few people that know him, you know, like these, these lower level international guys, there's kind of this trippy thing that happens because no one knows them. And when someone does they will kind of like latch on, that was one thing about like George Valera back in the day. And, and I'll kind of make myself to him. And uh, he is about as tall with cleats on, maybe even a little taller than me. And I'm like just under six foot four. Maybe um, yeah, he's tiny a tiny bit shorter, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm a big guy. And he's a big dude and he looked yeah. great. The, the Jordan comp, Baby Jordan is really interesting. Did they believe he's going to break into that. And I didn't mean to dismiss too, like the, him being Stefan Marbury's like cousin is like just such a wild thing with it as well. But do they believe the body is going to grow into that? Because he's pretty freaking athletic. He crushed a double. I saw the other day, but they believe that body is going to grow into that frame.
2: I think he's more athletic than Jordan is. Um, in terms of the athletic testing, like what they look at, um, they're really looking at explosiveness and, um, that translates like directly like what it really correlates to in terms of like, and they've done this for years now. Um, It's, it's exit velocity, it's throwing velocity and you know, it's, it's actual game power. So um, he's a guy that I think like we haven't seen the game power necessarily show up as much, but when you look at a guy that has that sort of like body type, that sort of profile, whether you're talking to folks that have like my buddy that tested him. Or like I was down in Florida and um, one of the guys for the Dodgers that's on the Cardinals now was in the Dominican Republic and one of their international guys for the last couple of years. And so, you know, I'm chatting with him. I connect with him because Cardinals are my coverage. So I want as many contacts in the cover of the Cardinals as possible. And the same thing, I brought up the name and he was like, Oh man, like he's Dominican. So it was just like, he started going off. And he's like, yeah, that that's like the next dude. So um, there's a lot of interesting names sort of in the lower levels with the Dodgers, um, you know, Ray and some of those guys, I think this is the guy, um, I think yeah. he's going to be a top 100 prospect by the end of the year. Um, should come stateside hitting the complex. Wouldn't shock me if he gets a few weeks in a ball, sort of Allah, Sammy Zavala, who I was going to throw out there as another potential, like, you know, bold prediction, but I'll leave that one for, for Dylan. Yeah. We fight <laughs> over, like we fight over Sammy Zavala constantly. Like I, I had him as like my, one of my sleepers in, in our outfield ranks. And uh I just beat him to it. And he was like, damn it. you!" I wanted Sammy Zavala when you took him. So he's a guy that, that we at uh, BA are, are pretty high on. So yeah, I like, cool. like
1: Zavala out excited to see him in the minor league camp. Uh, and by the way, I I've named if people didn't quite get it, uh I, you might have the proper pronunciation. I might not, but I've called him Josue. I've called him Josue Dale Paula. He responds yeah. to that. But I think you, what did you say? Josue. Uh, uh, Oh, sway. Yeah, I've said Joe Sway. I'm very English. I don't woman. know if,
2: they, I don't think they pronounce the J hard. He's I don't think so either. From, he's from Brooklyn. Like, I think if you, you talk to him, so like he speaks like good Perfect.
1: English. Perfect. Yeah, it's, 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 mean, it's reminiscent. I've I, I said America. it's like Valera. George Valera grew up in, Same. um, yep. In it was either brooklyn it was brooklyn or uh something like that well, washington
2: heights uh, he was a new york guy washington,
1: yeah. yeah yeah but yeah exactly was he, grew, he was I
2: mean, ramirez is from uh, washington heights too
1: oh okay, yeah yeah it was i think brooklyn for valera and he was there till he was like 13 and he had to move because his dad had an injury and the the warm yeah. weather was better than the cold weather and uh josue josue is kind of same way i he kind of responds to it either way one thing i would point out i think is really interesting about him as well like i'm really impressed with the bat he's been here stateside since instructs i 100 believe he is complex if not they could push him i wouldn't be surprised if he got a little bit of a push he's got a he's got a julio rodriguez personality i don't know if people know that it doesn't necessarily mean anything but i always like to give intangibles he very much has a julio rodriguez smile into the game i was on a backfield three days ago and you know there's all the players and there's kids and there's people around and he stopped and he gave two kids two bats and he was like smiling and took pictures with them and there's just something he's got a he's got that next level personality he's ready for and i can really appreciate which to me is like he's he's ready for the the big push and the bigger stage and his bat was the best on the backfield when it was uh, low A and high A guys during an inter squad scrimmage. Don yeah. Cohn was out there. Wilman Diaz was out there. He was bar none the best player out there and absolutely crushed a double. So Josue Osue de la de Paula, um, a very very good pick with the Dodgers. I love that one, Jeff. I very yeah, and I
2: think it. you know when a guy's bilingual like that, it's like number one, like that's incredibly difficult to speak two languages fluently. Oh, um, so. But guys like that are valuable in the clubhouse because there's like a communication gap particularly like in the lower minors where a lot of players that come, you know, over here are still learning the language, you know, and yeah. they're coached up in that and et cetera. Having a guy like that, that can kind of coach guys through, you know, explain things like kind of communicate throughout the room. Um, he's somebody that, you know, cause clubhouses can be split somewhat. And like, yeah. he's somebody that can kind of
1: like bridge both. A gaps. leader. Yeah, he yeah, can be exactly a leader of the mean, clubhouse, and, and, and there's something to say about that. I totally agree, man. That's a great one. He's got right, a high grit factor. Yeah, scrappy's <laughs> He's He's gritty. Um, all right, pitching. Your number one bold prediction prospect pitcher is who?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here because I'm I'm making a, a <laughs> I'm betting on a guy who got traded to the Oakland Athletics. But um, I think uh, I actually wrote this in the magazine too uh Bear salinas um you know oh, guy that kind of broke braves. out a little bit last year with the braves i think he's going to lead the minor leagues in strikeouts this year they're going to keep him as a starter don't think he's going to be up necessarily i think he's going to take another step forward with the command hopefully big fastball slider combination i mean his slider is deadly um the more they have him throw that thing i think the better off he's going to be because he can land it as well it's just nasty stuff um it's a bit of a of a late Model Bartolo Cologne build. So that's big not boy. Scary.
1: He's a, a big, big boy. boy.
2: He's a big boy, you know? I think he eats more than subway. but, uh, yeah, um the the swing and miss stuff is crazy. He wasn't that far off from like the minor league leaders and strikeouts last year. yeah, and I think this year again, he's just gonna he's gonna eat. So, um kind of betting a little bit on the stuff guy. Don't love that the move went from Atlanta, which is a pretty good pitching organization. Uh, to oakland we've, we've seen this before and it hasn't worked out so well um but some of these arms gotta work right like one of these guys they trade for has to be good they traded for like 40 prospects in the last two years
1: someday someday rubber salinas uh, there's a good one you guys can recheck out uh, big strikeouts and uh, was you know kind of not in anybody's thoughts right now so you might have the prospect uh, pedigree and value boosting up up uh final one pitching prospect bold prediction for 2023, and this is your last one, Jeff. What do you got?
2: Yeah, I might have even said this one last year. I can't remember or not, but um, by the end of the year, I think Marco Raya is going to be a, a universal uh, top 100 prospect. When I saw Raya last year, I mean, honestly, he was one of the best pitchers I saw in the minor leagues. Dealt with some injuries, um, which, you know, isn't great, of course. Uh, but, you know, Raya is just, like, legitimately three great pitches. Um, you know, fastball has good shape. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, sitting 94 to 95, he'll touch 97, 98, um, crazy sweepy sliders thrown one of those before it was cool. Um, but his sliders really unique because it's not just one of these flat frisbee sliders. sliders. It's sitting like 83 to 85 miles an hour with like a foot, a foot of sweep, which is great. It's not too much. It's kind of like within that control area. He gets ride on it, too. He gets to like a five to six inches of ride, which is really something you only kind of see from like Submariners, um, which is really unique for a guy like him. Smaller guy, but it works. Got a pretty good curveball as well, um, sort of like a high 70s, low 80s pitch, two-plane breaker, you know, high spin. Uh, and he's got a good changeup as well. It kind of spins his changeup sort of similar to Devin Williams. It's a higher spin changeup, like 2,000, 2,200 RPMs. Um, so he's not, he's, he's uh, a soup nater, but it has pretty good shape. So he's a guy that I just kind of believe in. Um, you know, I, I haven't had a ton of uh, feedback on him from like twins camp or anything like that. But riot to me is a guy that I think that like absolutely could break out. Um, definitely like, you know, legitimate, legitimate uh, pitching prospect that just hasn't got a ton of time yet. Um, you know, analysts were really on him. He was a 2020 draft guy. Um, out of the Texas prep ranks, hasn't had a ton of experience in time, but I think he's a guy that like, if he's healthy and throws a hundred innings, like the numbers are going to be good. He'll get, you know, up to double a, maybe get, you know, get some late starts in triple a and, and he's the kind of guy that could really sort of like burst onto the
1: scene. Huge top 100. All right. So repeat him again. The two hitters and the two pitchers were, we had Marco Raya as one pitcher. Who is our second one?
2: Roy, uh, Roy Burr Salinas leading the Roy minor league strikeouts. And it was hostway or, or Sway to Paula, and oh, yeah. uh, then the last one was was Jackson Merrill, which is uh, a, a little bit more commercial, I guess, more mainstream. But hey, man. I think uh, it's bold saying he's going to be the number one prospect. And there's I- so many good
1: Jacksons. You did not fade away from uh, being bold, my friend. Whether you bring a household name or not, you are not afraid to be bold, and that is what is so great about you. Uh, you've been absolutely killing it. I am ecstatic for all of your amazing success at Baseball America. What do you got to plug, my friend? I know you guys are doing fantasy content over there. You and Dylan White have been doing that. Uh, plug something for us.
2: Yeah, we're actually uh, going to be doing a live stream tonight kind of talking about the the top 600 that we released. Um, you know, it's funny. We think we ranked something like, 820 players we kind of cut it down to 600 because as like Dylan and I were talking about it we're like after 600 like if you need a major leaguer you're gonna take whoever's there and yeah yeah, yeah. You know, in terms of prospects like we have so many prospect rankings and lists that like we have top 30s and then we have lists that now go from like 31 to like 45 46 on all these different teams it's like 1,231 prospects I think we have reports on at this point so If you need names of prospects to draft after that, we got plenty of them. I didn't think we had to sort of do redundant work. So that, um, I'm going to be WBC stuff. We've been writing up every single game. At this point, now that we're getting on to the the quarterfinals and that sort of stuff, we have like a full game story for each. My first one, unfortunately, was the Puerto Rico-Dominican Republic game last night. And
3: Mm. I'm writing
2: up the story. Like the game ends, my feed cut out. So I didn't see the Edwin Diaz thing. So oh, I'm just like, no. immediately I'm typing away. I'm working on the story, you know, 500, 600 words. <laughs> like, um, this
1: is great. Everything is great. Yeah, Everything in the, the world is then, awesome.
2: And then I see the Edwin Diaz thing. I had to completely rework my story. Oh my God, <laughs> I had like dude. 15 minutes and get it up. I changed the opening. I mean, it changed like, you know, what I was writing about in terms of Puerto Rico and like, you know, sort of the exuberance. And I think people miss that. It's like, I, I did the... um I did the, the pressers for the WBC at um, uh, the winter meetings. So it's a big room you walk into at the conference. And, you know, all the teams, GMs and managers are in there. You know, I got to talk to Nelson Cruz, which is cool. Talk about another huge yeah. human being. He is massive. Um, think, dude. He really is. But, like, you know, I got to walk around. And, and the teams that, like, I was most excited to talk to were the DR, Puerto Rico, um, Japan, and funny, like, Colombia. Like, talking to the Columbia Columbia manager, I forget his name, Um, but he was so excited to talk about his players and the development of baseball in the country and how much stronger they are than they've been in previous years. Same thing with Panama. Like, it was exciting. You could see that to someone like that, like, the WBC means a lot because they don't necessarily get to sort of put the spotlight on their country and the development and like their heritage and all that stuff. And like they're, they're sort of their sort of baseball background. And it means a lot to those guys. I mean, it's the reason like that Puerto Rico-Dominican Republic game was so, I mean, it wasn't a, the best game in the tournament, but why it was so good. Same thing with like every time you watched a game and like Chinese Taipei, I don't know if you woke up early enough to watch any of those. No,
1: no. The th- I told you the 3 a.m. games crowds
2: were 100%. crazy. I mean, like the crowds were better than like Philly, which is a great crowd. During like a, you know, a, a pivotal game, a World Series game, you know, like. They were so loud. They were so into it. Every time something happens, same thing with Japan, it's like every time that they were at bat, the crowd was nuts. And then like Shohei Otani comes on to pitch and it's like, you could hear a pin drop. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, so, I'm, experience. I'm going to be out there for the second semifinal game on Monday and then the final game. So me and Kyle Glazer will be doing some stuff on that. And then I'm doing my spring training run in the East Coast of Florida, which, we, you know, we got, you got Arizona coverage, right? You know, we got people that go out to Arizona. I think there's Florida. a lot of coverage for like the West coast of Florida. There's not a lot of East coast of Florida stuff. So I'll be at Cardinals camp, Houston Astros camp, Washington nationals camp, which is significantly better than last year. They had Brady house and like nobody else last year. And now and you it's got like-
1: Hassel and wood. And yeah, you're golden.
2: Hassel's hurt. So I won't see any hassle, but you can it's see not gonna wood be out there. Where, how different. hard is he right now? I think he has another wrist injury. So I think they shut him down last week. I have to double um, check if back. Yet, yeah. So yeah. I'm
1: always looking for those guys, whether they're hurt or not, if they're out in camp and they're working mm-hmm. around on little goofy stuff and, uh, and whatnot, I didn't know it was that serious. So yeah. uh, but I'll get some right, Mets well.
2: stuff. And I mean, these teams all have pretty good drafts the last couple of years too. So, you know, you're, you're going to see like, I'll see a lot of, you know, video of those guys, Marlins guys as well, a little bit less excited with Marlins camp as I was last year, you know, before, before Khalil Watson kind of fell off the table. Um,
1: I'm ready for <laughs> him to pop back. You 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 tell me when he pops back, because I I have I I think feel like he's gonna pop back this year. The so ability's there.
2: Sad. The ability's there. It's just a matter of like he's like the opposite of Jackson Merrill, where like Merrill has the mature swing approaches and everything. Yeah and that's just not that's just not Khalil. I mean he's a lot he's of got
1: the stuff. Yeah. He's got the stuff I mean, yeah. that is ready.
2: The bat the bat speed is crazy. You know, if if yeah, he yeah. if he could figure out what to swing at and what not to swing at, I think uh, that would go a long way. With you know Khalil sort of rebuilding his prospect status, um, really talented player though. But the other yeah. thing is, if you see you see names on these backfields that you don't necessarily know, or like you've seen, but like you don't know how good they are. Um, I don't know, a guy I brought up last year I think was one of my bold predictions was like a limber Santa, and like he got hurt in his first outing of the year and like never pitched again for the Astros. And then like he must have been on like the I saw him like a couple weeks ago when I was in Florida. For labor, I had, like, a five-day trip down there, so I made sure I was, like, trying to go to the backfields. Not that there were any games or anything, just workouts, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Watching the Astros pitches in the tunnels, you know, I went to a bunch of different games. But they must have had him, like, the Dar Gratterall, like, Alex Kirilov workout. Like, I don't know if you remember when those guys had elbow issues. I think, you know, Gratterall had TJS. I can't remember if Kirilov had TJS or, or if it was just, like, an elbow injury they shut him down for, like, six months for – but the twins had those guys like do nothing but squats. So they added like 30 pounds in their lower halves. Um, and that's when the Grotto really took off. Santa looks like he must've added like 30 pounds and it's all like in his thighs and like lower half. He was already throwing like 94 touching 97 last year in the backfield. So I'm excited what they can do with him. He's a name that they valued more than like Miguel Yulola, who is like, one of their best pitching prospects, and I think probably one of their breakouts. Another name that you could have thrown on the breakout list. Um, they valued him more going into last season than Yolol. And Yulola, like, was kind of iffy with command, but like the fastball was crazy. And I think like, we're going to see it with Santa this year. That like he's a name that people are probably going to know by the end of the year, That's especially with the way these lower level guys sort of pop up. But yeah, so I'm going to have a ton of spring training content coming out, and I'm excited for that.
1: Well, make sure you're following Jeff Ponce B A. Get in on it. Obviously, all the great coverage over at Baseball America. Killing it as always. But, buddy, you are off the Bold Prediction hot seat. We'll check in on this. I'm sorry, check in a lot during the season. But we'll check in on the Bold Predictions next year. Thanks for uh, for taking time, man.
0: Thank you, man. Prospect One
1: Shelly Burstrate, Shelly V is on the Bold Predictions Hot Seat. We have got to, uh, we got to heat it up, Shelly. We've got to get some big, bold predictions and that's why you're here and you're going to help us out. I'm ready to get into this, but first off, how are you? I feel like we haven't done a podcast in quite some time and we, I kept, I couldn't make one and then we couldn't get the next date, but we got this. It, I think it's all working out perfect though. It's very good to see you.
3: Yeah, it's it's very good to see you. I mean, you know, spring training's going on, the World Baseball Classic's going on. It's like baseball, pretty much, you can watch it any time of day or night. It, it's great. It's it's really good to talk to you.
1: It's our mecca. It's it, This is like, for us, this is all the stuff. We literally can wake up, we can go into it at night, we can uh, analyze it. To uh, all end and uh, you know if you guys as I do if you peruse the roto world you probably see uh, Shelly stuff as you're rocking the beat sometimes on there and some of the great notes on there so you can find uh, Shelly on Twitter at Shelly V underscore six four three over at NBC uh, edge I should say that the edge is over there but I still call it roto world baseball HQ all the great stuff Shelly rocks and I'm happy to do this so let's get right into it you have two hitters and two pitchers for us. We're going to see how bold we get. I'm going to let you choose. Would you like to go hitter or pitcher first?
3: Um, I'll leave the best for last. So I'll go hitters first. Yeah. Oh, you shocked <laughs> me
1: there. I thought you do. I was like, oh, yeah, because like, I've done that to everybody. I was doing the turn like, ah, let's do the hitters. So, no, you're going to do the pitchers. All right, great. Uh, perfect. You shocked me. Let's talk about your first bold prediction. Hitter is whom and how bold are we going?
3: Well, I mean, I don't know how bold I'm going to go with this first one, but Miguel Blaise, I think that he makes a uh, Jackson Cheerio like jump this year, and he enters definitely top fifty round status.
1: Okay, I like that one. What's got you going there? Because Miguel Blaise, Blaise I hear all these different pronunciations, Blaze, Blaise. I think I think you're right. I want to say it's like between Blaze and Blaise. I used yeah. to say Blaise. He's one of like the hottest up-and-coming prospects that a lot of scouts underling. I feel like there are some there's some scout darlings that are out there. And um, is probably like at the top three, I think, of the biggest darlings, last year hit 305 homers, 18 stolen bases, and just over 150 at-bats. He did all of his work in rookie ball on stateside. So this year, probably going to be between low A and high A, depending on all the success not a big walk guy but also not like some absurd strikeout numbers what is the jump that you think if he's going to become a top 50 because i got him just around the top 100 just inside of it so top 50 is going to have to be make a big move are we talking homers come up stolen bases come up what do you think about miguel blyce
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be both homers and stolen bases, but I really do think that it's going to be more home run power, home run side as opposed to the stolen base side. I just think that we're just going to see him just go off Um, like today. He was um, in a spring training game and, you know, he got a hit off Alec Manoa. That's not something that's easy to do. So, I mean, I I just think that it's going to be um, a really big year for the kid. Um, I, again, I don't, I'm afraid of the, about the strikeouts like a little bit, cause you know, it was still, you know, hovering around 20, 26%, something like that, but you know, he's 19. Um, but if that power, you know, showcases the, how I think that it's going to the, the strikeout rate, you can deal with that.
1: And he would be a full five tool player too. I mean, 18 stolen bases and 150 at bats is pretty bonkers. If you got into, you know, if you wanted to extrapolate numbers, If you had 30 plus stolen bases, let's call them 35 to go with somewhere between 10 and 15 homers, it's going to make a huge boost. I I would even argue that you might be able to push as close into the top 35 with Miguel Blyce. Now, let me throw this at you real quick. Mm -hmm. Tristan Costas is going to graduate. He's going to be off. We're not going to see Marcelo Mayer, but he's going to be the top Boston Red Sox player. Who do you think is going to be higher at the end of the year between Miguel Blyce Sedani, so Rafaela, or Nick York. Rank how like a order those three.
3: Um, it's definitely Blyce for me, um, okay. and then Nick York, and then Rafaela. I am afraid of Rafaela. i just, I, I just don't know because he just like exploded this year, and I'm just like, I don't, I've just gotten so tricked by Duran, you know. So I'm like, are we gonna? Is this gonna be like Duran part deux? So I'm just. I need to see a little bit more from Raffaella, but for me, it's definitely uh, Blaze would be three.
1: Okay, Miguel Blaze, top 50 prospect by years in, and number two in the Boston Red Sox system, which is another thing to think about. Maybe even uh, pushing uh, Marcella Mayer a little bit. All right, number two on your bold predictions for hitters. Who do we got?
3: Um, Grant McRae from the Giants. Um, he's going to actually, um, I think, get a cup of coffee by the end of the year. Uh, I mean, I don't I mean, I just think that he's going to take that big step forward. And I mean, the Giants, they need to, you know, they need to show something because their development system and kind of took like a step back last year. And then they missed out on the free agent. So I kind of think that maybe some people in the front office are on the hot seat. So they might, you know, try to, you know, shake and bake and see what happens with some of these guys.
1: Okay, so Grant McCray put up video game numbers last year 23 yeah. homers, 43 stolen bases, 289. <laughs> I'd also maybe tell you not really too crazy older for any of the systems that uh he was in on. He had two levels. It was Low-A, High-A. A little bit older for Low-A, let's say in the Cal League where he definitely dominated. He put up vi- the video game stolen bases came from there. 106 games, 35 stolen bases. He was pretty good when he went to high A at 269. He stole eight more bases in 14 games. So let's present a couple things here.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Grant McCray or Marco Luciano by the end of the year?
3: Oh, that's a tough I think one. that's where we're
1: at. I'm down on Marco Luz. I've been the yeah. defender of Marco Luciano for a long time, but this latest stint of injuries in the Dominican Winter League, while there's still lack of strikeouts, I've kind of called him as a sell. And I'm curious, you know, they obviously Kyle Harrison is your number one guy who could graduate. The only hitters you could argue that could maybe be above are like Luis Matos, Averson Ortega, maybe Vaughn Brown, but he would probably graduate. So I just wonder, Grant McCray, because maybe there's our headline there. Is Grant McCrae more valuable than Marco Luciano by year's end?
3: Um, I... Hmm. It depends on what you mean by value, because I still think Luciano is still going to have that name value attached to him. So you could probably trade Luciano, get Grant McRae, and then someone else that you like. So you can, you know, cash in uh, uh, Luciano and get two guys. So I don't know. Screw it. Yes, I think so. I think I think McRae is going (laughs) to... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you finally, you twisted my arm. That's what I was like, doing. I was oh, totally yes.
1: baiting you into it. I'm like, just <laughs> say it. Like, we're going to get there. I love it. Okay, so by that standard, Shelly, I think we could say that uh, maybe the the way we phrase this is Grant McCray is the best hitting prospect in the Giants system by the end of the year. You could argue, unless you feel uh, adamant about uh, Artega, Von Brown. I know there's also some people that really like Casey Schmidt. I don't want to like dismiss mm-hmm. that. Uh, I don't really think this system is crazy robust as far as hitting goes, which is really ironic because they did such a good job a couple of years ago with targeting very specific players on base type of guys um, that they were, you know, um, Jairo Pomeris at that time, Luis Matos. So guys are at 400 plus OBPs at lower levels. That was what they were doing. Guys weren't swinging and striking out too crazy amounts or getting on base. But the development has kind of just teetered down a little bit. And Grant McCray is definitely one of those players that has skyrocketed up speaking of had a 383 OBP compared to his 289 batting average. So a hundred point boost is definitely a little bit more. And funny enough, Grant McRae is about going to be at the same level, probably playing with Luciano, even though Luciano wasn't the same level of Corbin Carroll and CJ Abrams early on. So he is uh, slowly, slowly developing. Okay. You said you would save the best for last. So here you go. You've got two pitching prospects for bold predictions. I think we really hit it there with Grant McRae. So first up, Old prediction for starting pitcher. Who do you got as number one?
3: Um, I am just going to plant my flag and I'm going to be the Tanner Bibby girl. Um, And I think that he makes his debut and he is going to like, just be in that rotation halfway through the year and just be, you know, you know, he's going to take like that Ricky Tiedemann level jump, you know, in in, um in recognition and everything. So Tanner Bibby, I think that um, Yeah. He finishes the season um, in the majors and I don't know, maybe he'll lose his prospect status. I don't know.
1: I think that's a big one. That's actually something I've been, uh, I I had this battle with one of our ATL army members in a draft where he had taken Yarlin Susana, who I love. Mm -hmm. And I took Tanner Bibby. And he asked me, he's like, if uh, I would have taken Bibby, who I was deciding between, would you have taken Susana? And I'm like, you know, probably But there's something about maybe being able to come up now, which is really intriguing to me. He had a sub one whip this past year, a little over two ERA, 167 strikeouts. And he was able to do it across two levels, which got him to double A. And as soon as you tap double A, you know, the world's your oyster. The problem that this team has is they've got so many great guys. You know, they've got so many, they've got Gavin Williams who can come Mm -hmm. up soon. I really like Jeff Lefwich uh, or Jack Lefwich. There's a bunch of those guys that are sitting out there. and Tanner seems super underrated. And I love the word that you said, the Ricky Tiedemann type jump makes him extra interesting that maybe it's like mid-season top five SP and for him to lose graduating status and become a starting pitcher is a pretty big, bold prediction because if you are a starting pitcher still locked into the Guardians rotation, it's a really good positive. By the way, we're not even talking about Daniel Espino because he's uh, perpetually hurt. So okay. maybe that, maybe that, oh, Daniel Espino <laughs> or Tanner Bibby.
3: Tanner Baber for me, 100%.
1: Okay, there you go. There's your bold <laughs> prediction. That's beautiful. Uh, all right, uh, last one here. This is uh, your last bold prediction starting pitcher for the 2023 season. Who you got?
3: Um, Dax Fulton is going to um, make his debut as well. Um, you know, he finished the season at double A um, with a 257 ERA, uh, ERA and a 0.76 whip. Um, I mean, he doesn't really have like the velo, but he's like this funky lefty. And I could definitely see the Marlins maybe trading one of their guys. And uh, bringing up uh, Dax Fulton just to add another lefty to the to the uh, rotation.
1: You definitely made. I, I I see a lot about Dax Fulton and, and I'm for completely forgetting. I don't know if one of the guys in the last episode brought him up as well. But I just see a lot of tweets about Dax Fulton because I don't think I've quite jumped on the bandwagon like I should. 150 strikeouts in 118 innings. Pretty phenomenal. Whip a little bit more up there which has me worried just a tiny bit. Maybe there's a little bit more on the hit market. He gave up 113 hits last year, walked 42, but he's still very young. And that's a pretty, pretty big jump. So he makes the majors. And then let's see, I guess you would have, if you had Yuri and Max both lose, I guess it's pretty, it'd be a pretty easy thing to say that Dax Fulton is the number one pitching prospect in the Marlins by year's end, right?
3: Oh yeah. I mean, I would say eligibility. Exactly. If I want to be bold, I say yes. I mean, I'm still kind of a fan of Jack Jack Eater, uh, Jake Eater, excuse me. Um, but I mean, Dax Fulton could be pushing uh, uh, Eater for for that top spot as top pitching prospect in the Marlins.
1: Okay, so we had Dax Fulton, we had Tanner Bibby, we had mm-hmm. Miguel Blaze, and then we had uh, Grant McCray. Those yep. are the big, bold predictions from Shelly V. Shelly, what do you got going on right now?
3: Um, you know, I'm just, you know, doing like some news stuff over, um, at, at World. Um, and then once the, um, season starts, I'll have a weekly dynasty article, um, over, over there as well.
1: That's fantastic. I'm glad you're holding the fort down. Uh, I, the, it's no surprise to me when I've looked at the, like all the blurbs on World how they've gotten better and then realize the people that are behind them. And I'm like, oh yeah, cause, uh, Shelly's probably doing some of that <laughs> stuff too. So it's always good, uh, to get your perspective across the board and I'm glad you can make time for us. And I'm very glad that you could be so bold, my friend. So thank you for rocking some bold predictions, Shelly.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun.
1: Prospect one. The handyman (laughs) ready for some prospect action. It's Nate Handy from the B-Sides Prospect Podcast. B-Sides Podcast right here on the Endless League Fantasy Network. Nate Handy, what is up, buddy? We're ready to talk some bold prospects, right?
4: Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks for having me, man.
1: Nobody. Will go as bold as Nate Handy. Nate Ooh, will that's some pressure. Nate will buck the trend uh, of anything. What was it you did in there was a draft? What was it? You went nuts in like a dynasty draft in like the 14th. What was it you did? I'm forgetting well, now.
4: I think in the last uh, P180Ps, I took like Gabriel Gonzalez in like the top twenty or something. That's like what that. it
1: was. Yeah, you took him like twenty-four or something like that, setting the bar for him, which by the way, looking thick and maybe yeah. even gained a little bit more weight than... I haven't decided if it's like really good weight or not weight. Uh, minor League Spring Training Games, I'm going to be targeting the Mariners uh, over the next couple days to see as people are listening to this, but I did see him yeah. in a couple workouts. So that Mariner team is really wild too, by the way. Lazaro Montes is just a... They have a couple monsters on that team. Tyler Locklear and uh, Lazaro Montes are just these two huge monsters there. And then they've just got this collection of unique guys like Gabriel Gonzalez is... Like I said, he's, get, he's almost getting into like Jose Ramirez territory to me. Like he's not super okay. tall. He's kind of growing outward a little bit. I don't think it's the wrong type Who is it of these weight days? yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know, but uh, I, you know I love Gabby. You and I both love Gabby. Yeah. So I'm always down for those type of things. And that's what we're going to do here today. Nate is a fantastic person to have and finish off the bold predictions here. And you guys can catch the B-Side Prospect podcast. Uh, just do the search for it. It's on the ITL network. It's on all the places and the things. And I think you even had one of the guests that are on today for this week. You had Jeff Ponce on uh, with you. you guys talking all yeah. things prospects, correct? All things crazy. Yeah, we had a, I mean, you've talked with Jeff before. I could talk to that guy for
4: hours about baseball, but yeah, yeah. we had a, a good chat about dynasty speculation and styles of players. And then, uh, discuss a few of my B side selections for this season. It was a good time. Okay.
1: Well, I guess some B sides are probably going to come into this. So as you know, Nate, uh, you have got two hitters, two pitchers. You can choose where to go. Um, you want to start hitting you want to start pitching for your bold predictions and give us your first one
4: yeah let's do hitters first um
1: where do you have brady house ranked right now roughly Ooh, this is gonna let's see i just moved him down a little bit i'm gonna have to pull up my ranks here i'm gonna say roughly 75 60 75 i had him very high before not someone i wanted to come off of uh because i also think the the physical like strength and stuff like that guy could probably hit 30 homers and steal multi, you know, double digit stolen bases, but the numbers have just not been there. So you're either going to go super high or super negative. So what's the bold <laughs> prediction? Uh, I will
4: say right. that Brady house will end up at least 50 spots better than where he is right now in your ranks by the end of the season.
1: Okay. And that's almost where he was earlier. He's been right. as high as like, Thir- I'm trying to pull this up right now. 35 in my ranks before, right? And the actual number for Brady House. I don't know why this went so crazy. Let's see. Brady House is. Oh no, I moved him outside the top one, so he's outside the top 100 right now.
4: Okay, so he'll move. Latest update. He'll so move like 75 to
1: 100 spots up from where you got him right now. So your bold prediction is he is going to be a top 40 player by year's end. I think at least, yeah.
4: I mean, barring health,
1: but yeah. Um, okay, talk to me. And also, by the way, yeah. exclusively working out at third base. I've been told uh, by some people over in Florida in the minor league camps. I think that move has finally happened. Yeah,
4: I mean, I think that was that was always expected, right? It was inevitable, sure. Yeah, and for him, I mean, it's it's the bat, right? I mean, this is this is what made him one of the top picks in the first year player drafts was the uh, uh, power, contact, sound, technique. I just don't really understand why a year later we have fallen off of him so much. He hit 280. It was only 40 some games, but he hit 279. 19 year old. Strikeout percentage was not where you want it to be, but like, I don't know, less than Riley Green's. And that didn't kill Riley Green's love. And his swing and strike percentage is less than Jordan Walker's. That doesn't kill Jordan Walker's love. So I think we've just. uh, maybe overcompensated a little bit with Brady house. And I still think he's just as, as skilled and as exciting as we thought a year ago.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think I disagree with a lot of what you said. Um, I just made that move and I didn't feel super awesome about it just because I think he's really physically talented. Cause you've been, you so, were a fan, right?
4: First year of play draft season. You were, you were about Brady house, weren't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Very, yeah. very much about Brady house. Um, here's a couple of the tiny little pushbacks is like that pushed my move. Cause you're not wrong in a lot of what you're saying. Like this is a super young guy and I know and like, I'm like the biggest defender of not dismantling, you know, sub 21 yeah. year old guys for poor results. But I would also say there, this wasn't about dismantling what would be really interesting in this especially if you're attaching it to my ranks, is I don't know where everybody else has him. I feel like he's become an afterthought in a lot of people. I might still be the high person on Brady House because part of the problem is is, it's not so much that he has been super unsuccessful. It's that also not much has amounted to it. Uh, 49 hits in 2022, only 11 were extra base, no triples. He had three total homers. The power kind of subsided. As he had moved levels, which I don't think is something that has to be long term. He doesn't really walk compared to the strikeouts. That's a maybe a little bit worrisome. That walk rate was really low. And it's just going to be how he matures. But like this is a six foot four, 220 plus pound guy who's going to be over at third base. And if that batting average continues with that strength, he's going to be a premium third base prospect. So I am very open to him making that push up. Sometimes it just also becomes about. I don't, I don't like it to be what have you done for me lately, but there is sometimes a what have you done for me lately and can you justify whole, and I've done it in the past with like George Flair and stuff like that. Like how much can you justify him over guys that are performing really well? I will say that I think like my like, 65 to 125 i think is a very small windowed difference if people want to pick that apart i think the window is very small between those players so i think it's a really good pick because brady house has all the physical attributes and the, the history to just let things click and become a superstar yeah i mean in my opinion like at the plate we're talking about much
4: higher end skills than like a austin hendrick or someone like that and i feel like that was kind of the bump that he took, the negative bump that he took.
1: That's a pretty good, yeah. I mean, Austin Hendrick also, like, I don't think exists on most people's ranks anymore, though yeah. I was very encouraged in uh, watching him in uh, spring training and seeing some of the results. So uh, your bold prediction, I don't want to, like, put words in your mouth. Give me the exact, like, bold prediction is he's a top 30, 40? Give me the number. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go top 30. Okay, top 30 by years end. Brady House is back. All right, bold prediction hitting prospect number two. Uh well I know I know guys
4: in your chat room are maybe a little bit sick of me talking about
1: this guy but wait let me this guess. will be Yo let me oh. guess yeah is this gonna be Casey Schmidt no okay no. okay all right never mind sorry, <laughs> sorry. go go ahead I, when you said getting sick of me talking spring. about it there's a lot of Casey Schmidt in there so all right go ahead Nate
4: this is Johendrick Hendrick Panango's year this is oh, when he becomes good. a top 100 prospect um. Now, I understand the profile It's going to be very bat heavy, right? Maybe he's a left fielder if everything goes right. But we're talking a guy with high-end plate skills, high-end contact skills, and the knock was always power and ground balls. And he finally tapped in to hit him the ball out in front and hitting home runs. The problem was he got injured and he fell off a cliff, and no one paid any attention to it. But what? What was it? End of July? middle of july he was out producing other left-hand hitters at that level like tyler Soderstrom. he was first 349 plate appearances which was 81 games he was slashing 296 332 480 with 12 home runs 16 percent k percentage then he got hurt and it just got awful but
1: yo Panango penango is a top 100 prospect by the end of the year Okay, you know, Hendrick Panago, who had thirteen homers, fourteen stolen bases, they list him hilariously at five eleven one seventy. There's no way I've been around this dude i mean he <laughs> he's probably pushing two hundred if we're being honest, but uh he's a thick dude who can put the bat on the ball for sure and is very bat centric, which I think is going to be the problem. He's like he's already moved positions because they now have him listed in left field, and I don't think that was originally where he was, but yeah so the have, cont- you, have you seen him playing? I've seen him in backfields. I haven't seen him live it's, in a game. I've seen him on backfields, but I haven't seen him this like, year. It was last year. Not,
4: okay. so I'm, I'm still curious if there's injury or if he's back or or what.
1: Yeah, no, I saw him multiple times last year on the backfields. Uh, I, I remember the Cubs have made it very difficult to get back there. They made it way more difficult than in years past to easily uh, access. I would have been there a couple of days ago, uh, but it was really hard. <laughs> so that's not someone I'm seeing. So I'll probably hopefully see him on the backfields. I think it's interesting. Can I ask you? You're saying your bold prediction is top 100 prospect, which I think is great. What do you think the stat line looks like for Panago? Like, let's see. Because he Um, was 13, 14 last year. 13 homers, 14 stolen bases, 250. Just to kind of re recharge your brain.
4: I think he could. I mean, I think you could see him in the upper level. I think you see him in Double A by the end of the season. Uh, Again, this is predicated on health, which I have no idea about, but um. I think he could. I think he could be a 300 hitter at Double A with 20 some home runs. He's probably not a big on base percentage guy, slugging. You know, I don't know. I think there's enough doubles and a home run and home runs in there to uh, to do that. Yeah. Stolen very bases. I'm not really counting on stolen bases from him. I
1: wouldn't him. either. I yeah. wouldn't either. Uh, very interesting. You pick two very non OBP guys. I would point out Brady House and uh, Penango. Yeah. Not big obp guys i'm not a
4: big obp guy
1: yeah i was about to say you're playing your hand out there a little bit non-obp all right uh probably your favorite here and ironically you you along with shelly and jeff all decided to go hitters first because you wanted to save pitching for last so your first (laughs) pitching prospect bold prediction for 2023
4: is houston's 20 year old right hander Adinson batista who jeff and i talked about on on today's podcast but um my prediction is that he is the Astros' top starting pitching prospect, or very close to the top by the end of the season's year.
1: So he break it is, down.
4: Let's let's hear him. He's owned in. I think he's currently rostered in one percent of Fantrax leagues. Um, okay. So he's a good good size righty. He can spin it. You know, imagine that the Astros have someone who can spin a couple of different breaking balls. Um. Jeff alerted me to some metrics on that slider. The slider's nasty. It could be a cheat code type of weapon. He can spin another curveball. Maybe there's a little bit more velocity on the fastball. But, uh, I mean, he had a he had a great season last year as a, what, 19-year-old? Um, in low A. Got up to high A. Uh, right at the end for a couple of starts. Uh, but he had, what, in 21 games he had a... Um, 260 ERA, 1.093 whip, 10.9K per nine. Walks probably need to come down a little bit, 4.1 per nine. But I mean, you got a young teenager spinning a couple of nasties up there. Um, You know, it can be take some time to wrangle that all in. But but on that end of it too, I think he does execute and command his breaking his whole arsenal fairly well, especially for that age.
1: Okay, so he's the top, uh Astros pitching prospect bold prediction what do you think that puts him in line to be top 150 prospect overall top 100 what do you think that um, looks like at the end of the day
4: uh I don't know maybe I think it I think it depends on whose ranks you're talking about because some people just hate pitchers so much but
1: yeah just like a general uh, I think there's yeah general I don't know let's
4: call sometimes. him let's call him like a top 200 at least if it goes really well um maybe he's like I was just
1: outside the top
4: 100 or something like that
1: because i mean uh, say, after say that part after say Brown, that last part again
4: maybe he's just outside the top 100 if it all oh goes okay just outside well. the top 100. because i imagine. mean what the astros right now who are we talking about pitching prospects brown's gonna probably graduate and then eric getty who i'm not like the biggest fan of and you know so the astros top pitching prospect might not be all that high on big lists but
1: but I a relative that, unknown. I think that was bold enough, though. I think it's very bold. A relative unknown becoming the top pitching prospect and being maybe outside the top 100, 150 to 200, something like that. That's a big deal because that's an unknown. So your last one, your big last pitching prospect bold prediction is who? All right.
4: All right. This I, I cheated a little bit. This is more of a team bold prediction. Okay. But the Colorado Rockies will put Dynasty Rankers in a bit of a pickle because – there will be a Rockies starting pitching prospect that has an amazing season and puts the pressure on to actually value a Rockies pitching prospect in fantasy. Mm. I don't know if that's going to be Gabriel Hughes, Jordy Vargas, about to, Jackson I was about to
1: say, is that Jaden Hill? Is that uh, Gabriel Hughes? I wasn't sure who you were thinking. And that's Case Williams, uh, Angel Trevili,
4: Carson Palmquist. I don't know. I don't know necessarily who, but I think they have gotten... So much better at evaluating and gobbling up talent that they just have too much of it now for one of them to not push this issue, this envelope.
1: If you had to take a guess, who would be the pitcher you would choose? Gabriel mm-hmm. Hughes? Jackson Cox. Jackson Cox. All right, there you go. So, oh, so what and give give us a, the number then if if it's Jackson Cox and what what do, what do they look like?
4: Well, I mean. And I, and I I totally understand it. I totally get it. Like, do you even want to rank a Rockies pitching prospect for fantasy? I don't you know, think of know, the last, like, high. You know what's waiting at the end.
1: Who was the last high pitching prospect out of the Rockies? Jeff Hoffman? Rollison? Uh, like, like yeah, Rollison. Maybe Rolla, Riley Pint. Riley Pint, who's back, by the way, with the team, was kind right. of fun for a minute. Rollison was up there, but I yeah. still don't think. When's the last one that's pushed, like, the top 150?
4: I have no, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever, ever seen one. <laughs> I don't
1: know. It's like, it's like Sasquatch. It's like, thing. like, Sasquatch. like let's
4: let just hypothetical, right? Let's say Jackson, uh, Jackson Cox is in low A, Right. And he's putting up like just ridiculous numbers, gets to high A, is doing the same thing. Right. At some point it's got to get interesting and enticing. Right.
1: Yeah. But the, the end story though is just like walking through the light at the pearly gates. They have to walk through Colorado and that's ultimately what gets them at the end of the day is pitching in Colorado. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't someone is going
4: to be so good that it's going to
1: put you in a pickle. Welsh. Okay. So you're, so you're saying someone's going to be inside the top 100. You're going to have a Colorado pitcher. Uh, yeah. Come on. You're I bold. You got to get bold. <laughs> how maybe, bold are you?
4: Maybe top 100 by next season, but let's say that let's <laughs> say you are ranking a uh, Rockies pitching prospect in your top two hundred by the end of the year?
1: Okay, yeah, because I do not have my highest one is Gabriel Hughes, and that is not in the two hundred and fifty. So yeah, that is a Colorado uh, issue overall. Those are some yeah. good bold predictions for sure. Nate, plug the Twitter, plug the shows. What do you got to plug?
4: Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at pitching specs. Um, doing a weekly every Monday, dropping a podcast called Prospect B Sides where we're Focusing on prospects hardly owned, hardly rostered in Fantrax leagues. And we'll be doing that all season.
1: It's very cool stuff, my friend uh, on the, in this league podcast network, which we appreciate Nate, you're off the hot seat and we will Ooh. hold you accountable for every one of these. Uh, yes. Podcasts,
4: Record your receipts, fellas. I'm sure they'll be coming back. <laughs> all right. Thanks,
1: Nate. Thank you. Big shout out to all three. Of those fine folks for coming on the episode and bringing all of those big bold predictions. Those are some great names for you, really from like top to bottom, I, I, which I really enjoyed here. From you know we had a couple big names that were in there, the middle line ones and ones you guys probably didn't even have on your peripheral whatsoever. So lots of bold predictions. So last week I told you that I have got two more. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. I did a, I did adjust one but I'm going to tell you who I adjusted just to put it out there. The guy that I took off was Khalil Watson and Khalil Watson was one I wanted to have. And I'll even tell you that what I put out there was a Khalil Watson returns form. and becomes a top 75 prospect again. That's where I've kind of been on him. I found it interesting that skip was asked about Khalil Watson and he went out of his way to state that, Uh, he'd had some of the most impressive at bats in a minor league camp, uh, also rocking a couple homers. So I moved away from it because I think it's just a really tough one. I just had a better one that I wanted to roll with, but I did want to tell you that that was, that was the guy as far as hitters go that I was kind of sitting on. And that was the one. And then I'll go in true form here because everybody went hitter first. I'll give you the hitter that I did adjust to, but I'm giving like a little side alteration to Khalil Watson's thinking, thinking that I think he can return to form. It's such a weird thing. I think Jeff and I briefly mentioned it, that obviously his approach, there's a lot of problems with it. Uh, there's a, a maturity level or maybe a confidence level, whatever it was, it was seen as a maturity level. And and if you guys remember, he was like sent up to AAA and the word was to be, to learn how to be a professional. And from some people I know when he came back down, it was definitely a little bit more humbled in whatever the the whole process of what it was. So really now, if you can kind of move past that, we're really looking at like, can this like uber talented player, can he come back to form? Can he, you know, chill out on the strikeouts and stuff like that? And I think it's a possibility. I really think he can find himself again and I'm very hopeful for it. So that's why I had brought him up the player that I am going to throw out to you. And here's the bold prediction Los Angeles Dodgers Dalton rushing is going to be my bold prediction for the year. I actually saw him just a four, four or five days ago uh, running in the Dodgers minor league camp. It was actually a day that it was right before the minor league game started. So this was like Sunday or Monday or something like that. And I was able to go and see him and he is really fascinating. I don't know if he's the six one that they list him out to, but boy is that guy like um, if you're a wrestling fan, and you ever saw Taz? He reminds me of Taz. He's just like, he's a, he's built outward. It's a really interesting body frame of like muscle that he's got. And I just don't know if he's six foot one, like they list him. I might, I screw this up a lot because I'm taller. So I, for some reason I can screw this up on heights and some like Adoles Garcia sometimes looks taller than to me. But I, I want to say it was more like maybe 5'11", something like that. But again, I, I might be completely off on that, regardless of the point. Dalton Rushing is coming off of like a phenomenal debut off of being drafted. 104 bats 8 homers, he had a stolen base, a 400 batting average, and a 500 OBP. One of the things that will work a tiny bit in favor is I do believe, based on how they were working him, he's going to start back at high A. So last season he played, what was it? He went to rookie, yeah, he went to rookie ball. I say he start back, he only went to A ball. Um, he went to the Cal League, played 28 games. He's playing with the A or high A guys, even though he's a college bat. So he's gonna play, I would assume, and I think they have him listed already at the high A affiliate. I think he's got an opportunity to push even A this season because my bold prediction on Dalton Rushing is that he is going to become a top 50 overall prospect He's going to drop 25 homers in his first full season, and he will have a 3-4-5 slash. Is that bold? You tell me. I know a lot of people are on Dalton Dalton rushing. My Khalil Watson one might have felt a little bit more fun. Maybe I'm looking for a little bit of a win here, but I wanted to attach multiple things to it. If he hits a 25 homers, he's easily a top 50 prospect. If you want to go bolder, he might be. One thing I was thinking about is he becomes the Dodgers' number one overall prospect because Miguel Vargas will have graduated. So as far as hitters go, it'll come down to him and Diego Cartaya. And that's a possibility. They're about the same age, even though Diego's been in the system for like three years. So that's a possibility. Uh, Dalton rushing also, you know, the bat, I think the bat is above Diego right now, but I'm not sure how the team views um, defensively like uh, Cartier or anything like that. But Cartier is a little bit higher, but Dalton rushing top 50 overall prospect with 25 homers in a three, four, five slash. That's my hitting breakout, bold prediction for the year. And if you want to even get a little bit bolder, he becomes the Dodgers number one overall prospect. That's how highly I think of him. That's how highly I think of the bat and what he did early on. He's going to get challenged, but this system does a pretty good job of having these guys meet the the call. And from a physicality standpoint, this is a guy that looks like he can easily drop 20 plus homers. So I don't think it's that far of a reach. My pitching bold prediction, my final bold prediction for the season off the last episode where I told you Ethan Salas would be a top 25 overall prospect before year's end. I said Connor Prelip would be a top 10 starting pitcher by season's end, at least as far as minor leagues go. My last pitcher, I'm even going higher than Connor Prelip. Yarlan Susana, who was a former Padre, now with the Washington Nationals, becomes a top five starting pitching prospect going into next year. Last season, he had a 2-4 ERA in 13 games, 12 starts, 66 strikeouts over 45 innings. He had barely a one whip, just barely a one whip. He was great in the ACL, uh, moved up, played a little bit of rookie ball with the Nationals, and even when he moved up to A ball, as a I think at that time he yeah he was still a 17 year old because his actually birthday we might have to give a shout out. I guess it was 18 years old the whole season. By the time this airs, he's his birthday's in two days, so happy birthday to Yarlin Susana, who's going to be uh, 19 years old. So he spent 18 his 18 year old season. Across two different rookies levels while being traded, and then goes to A ball. And in A ball, he had a 2.61 ERA, striking out 13 in 10 innings. He walked five, which wasn't anything crazy. The walks are something to watch, of course, but he overall across all three levels kept batters to a 179 batting average and only a 230 at high A. So, or at A ball. I'm like crazy, crazy impressed with him. He's also a big physical body player who is going to pump the fastball. The organization really likes him. He's still a little bit raw, and there's still a little bit of like learning to throw strikes a whole bunch with his big stuff. The Nationals, maybe not the best organization to push that, but I think he's made a lot of natural strides. And I think when we look at the upside, the only thing that is a tiny bit of a caveat, which I would argue, is having older pitchers in general might be a little bit of the push, but Susana is just one of those guys. You know, look at Yuri Perez. He's one of those younger players that he's going to start at a ball. He has the potential to push to double A this year. And into next season, he would be going in at 20 years old, maybe starting back at double A or pushing triple A and might be soon for the majors. You know, wouldn't be a shocker to see a 20 year old uh, Garland Susana, especially if he makes a big push on uh, throwing strikes. So I think he's going to do that. And by season's end, top five SP. And I also looked at it from a like graduation standpoint. Just briefly here, I would assume Grayson Rodriguez, let's say good things happen to Painter. He's gone. Tiedemann gone. Maybe Perez stays. One of Kyle Harrison or Gavin Williams gone. Then you've got maybe Espino's there. Hunter Brown's gone. I think Fat Fought would be gone. Now you're looking at guys like. Tink hints, Bobby Miller, Bryce Miller, who all will actually be left. I think it's a pretty easy path to see where he can get there. There are guys where if they didn't graduate, I think could push like uh, Gavin Stone and Tanner Beebe. But again, I think all these, these are players that get playing time this year and could exhaust that eligibility. So just from exhausting it and having overall production, I really think Susana's in a good situation and a good spot to jump up there. So the bold prediction is top five SP going into the year. And those, my friends, are a ton. A ton of bold predictions for the year. Hopefully you enjoyed them. What was your favorite? Let me know. Put on the episode. Did you like any of mine? If you didn't like it, keep it to yourself. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, you could say if you don't like one of those. Um, But yeah, I'd be curious at what you guys think overall. If you guys want to be heard and to have access to me, you can do it over at EndlessLeague.com. You can get in the group me rooms. You can hang out with all the crew. The Prospect One room is so wildly cool. I can't even explain it. All the guys, smart guys and eight handies in there. Just everybody's sharing good information. There's lots of good questions out there. There's just a lot of good prospect stuff. And one of my favorites is when anybody actually gets out to games, people will like share video and stuff like that. I've always enjoyed that. So uh, if you go on to support, go to inthisleague.com. I would love to have you. Also want to give a shout out to Dennis Sidler over at Sid's Just completed some signings over in Florida. You should go check out all his stuff, sidsgraphs.com on the social media, even an eBay store. Michael Harris signing with Rookie of the Year stuff. Oh, yeah. Are we getting a uh, Michael Harris jersey coming the way? Maybe. We talked to uh, Dennis a little bit about that. Drew Gilbert, Layover Paguero, all the ones he did out here. It is an incredible list of exclusive clients he has. And it's cool stuff that you just, you know, you can try to get, but it's harder to get these days. But he's got jerseys to cards to baseballs, helmets. Fanatics has this crazy new thing of all these awesome helmets. They're making these little mini helmets the colors and the schemes are really cool. And Dennis has been getting all those. So go and check him out as he always supports the podcast. I'd appreciate that friends. That's it. Uh, find me on Twitter. Is it the Welsh? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And that is all that I have. I mean, we're going to be talking next week and the season will be the precipice of the season will be upon us and we will have minor league games coming up. We are going to have more crazy updates than ever before. And I couldn't be more excited about it in LB TV on here essentially some of the streams might be like having I'll have games going on and we'll just all be watching together. I'll tell you who I'm watching and we can sync up and stuff like that. so you can check it out twitch.tv/ in this league youtube.com in this league those are a couple of the other places you can find and that is it. I've only got a couple more days on the backfield and I'm gonna have to reckon with it. so friends I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna get to a backfield and I'm gonna start going to film some prospects. I do have extended spring training where I can be the real big weirdo where no one's around and I'm just walking around for these guys that are going to play like rookie ball and stuff. But hey, Jackson Cheerio was there last year. So it's not a bad place to be. That is all. I love you all. And we will talk next time right
0: here on Prospect One.